Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any host or guest individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening. This is Marianne Russo. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, Our hearts are broken. They're broken for the innocent lives that were taken today, for the indescribable pain, which is now felt by over 20 parents and grandparents, for the teachers, the students. I mean, this community that's been shaken by the unimaginable shooting today in Connecticut. And, um, you know, it's impossible to make sense of a heinous act such as today. It's sometimes hard for us as adults to really absorb and express these emotions and express our fears and anxieties. And children do not always interpret events as adults do. They are limited by language. Um, some are limited by um, understanding of what, you know, how bad things happen. And for children that are nonverbal, deaf, or mute, expressing fear, anxiety, or stress can be even more difficult. So tonight I've asked Louise Statler, uh, Sattler to join me to discuss communicating with the nonverbal child about fear and chat tragedies. We'll also discuss the importance of emergency responders being trained to communicate with these kids, as well as preparing children um, with communication deficits to interact with emergency responders. But first I want to relay a few tips that I heard on the radio today um, that I think are important um, for parents to know, which is to use an empathetic listening ear to your children's fear. Don't diminish the fears or try to make light of them. Um, Use words they understand. Reassure safety. Uh, That's really key, is to reassure that the child is safe at home and at school. And watch for any signs of behavior changes. Um, They're recommending that if a child is under the age of six, um, that you have a child draw their fears, as they do not always have the words to describe these feelings. And, um, you know, not to really begin the discussion with the child if they are not aware of it, especially under six years old. And um, really strongly urge parents to turn off the television in the presence of young children. Um, They really cannot understand what they're seeing, and it's very frightening. These were tips by Dr. Nancy Maximbaum. So let me bring on my guest, Louise Sattler. Louise, horrific. A horrific and just almost the unimaginable and... I'm a loss sometimes today. I feel like I'm at a loss for words because I just can't fathom what those 20 sets of families and educators and the administration and the first responders, you know, what what is, you know, they woke up like everybody else today and are facing the unimaginable. It's, you know, everything is still unfolding. We really don't know what happened, but what we know is that there are going to be a lot of frightened people, uh, those, you know, immediately involved and, you know, the country, 
um, you know, people are frightened. So what should parents of children that are nonverbal be looking for as far as behaviors, and how do they communicate something that's so hard to comprehend? Well, first off, the list that you just provided, Marianne, is excellent. All of those things are for children across the board, whether they're verbal, nonverbal, with uh, developmental delays or on-target learning. Those are just really good safety practices for parents to be using at home. Uh, the, I think with the child who is nonverbal, you might also look for if they decide to sort of hide or uh, some alone time, or the reverse, if they're extra clingy, those nonverbal communication behaviors, if they are more disruptive, if they just, you know, if there's something out of their typical behavior pattern. And then I love your suggestion of using art or perhaps with children who can't express themselves using Play-Doh or clay, uh, chalk on the sidewalk, any way in which they can demonstrate their expression right down to a tablet where they can use like an e-draw type of modality if that's something that they're very comfortable with. And, of course, for the children who use sign language, to use those nonverbal communication tools such as sign language, even down to facial expressions, which is about 30% of what sign language really is, is body stance and the way that we use our face to communicate. Right. And... um you know, I, I think that it also is, you know, parents have to take a breath um, before they speak with their children. And not all children need to be spoken to about this, but those that have overheard it or have seen it on the news, you know, parents really need to choose their words carefully. I mean, exactly. You agree? If your child doesn't know about it and they're young, I would not sit down and have a dinnertime conversation unless you think that somebody's going to mention and you want to do some preemptive work. I would also, like you said earlier, use terms that are child-friendly terms. Don't use immediate terms. You know, don't use the words like atrocities or anything like that because those bigger words tend to be scary. And before, as a parent, you need to sort of get your own self in check, as you said. So don't go rushing in there thinking that you need to have this conversation right away unless your child has made some you know, reason for you to do that if they came home from school and hand you a note, if they have something that they're, they're trying to relate to you, if a deaf child is signing a, up a storm about what they have learned. Uh, so make sure that you know what you're feeling before you go and try and place it onto your child. And, and you know, um, also get, on, get all the child care providers on the same page. So if your child is at a daycare or has a nanny or a grandparent, make sure that they know how you would like to approach this kind of topic with your child. That's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, I think the key to all of this is to um, give children a sense that they're safe. Yes. So, um, you know, in a very unsafe world, you know, we do have to have them feel safe. Um, now, how would a parent, what techniques could a parent use to create an understanding of safety and security in a fearful, nonverbal child? Well, you know, there are so many things. One is, you know, to try and explain to the child the best you can uh, that there are bad people in the world, okay? There are bad people in the world. And most children understand what a bad person or a stranger is. They also understand that there are people in the community that are safe. So taking the child 
to school, to the police department, driving them by the fire department, driving them by their friends' houses. See, everything is normal in our community. Everything looks, feels, smells the same. You know, we are not those images in our community that maybe you saw on the television set. To give them, a, you know, sometimes a, a picture or a, a looking at something can be worth many thousands of words. And so letting them see and experience the safety of their own environment, I think, would be helpful for the nonverbal child. And also allowing them a routine. So if their routine is to go to scouts or to go play with a friend or to have, you know, some time on the computer, I would not disrupt their routine for something that is not tangible. If they are not living where the disaster is happening, then let them continue their routine um, unless there is some mitigating circumstance, which, you know, is just unique to the situation. Those are are great tips. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned, uh, you know, passing by the firehouse or the police station because um, parents parents have to prepare kids to deal with emergency responders, not only in a, you know, tragedy like today, you know, the scope of today, but in general. So, you know, how do parents prepare kids that are nonverbal um, or, you know, children that are verbal, to deal with emergency responders in the case of an emergency? Well, we've all heard the term, practice makes perfect. And unfortunately now, as an educator, as a psychologist who's worked in the schools, and as a parent, I'm pretty sure we're going to be adding to the disaster drill situations like this, unfortunately. Right. Uh, but, you know, practice makes perfect, going down to the police station, going down to the firehouse, into an emergency room, or at least to a hospital lobby, so that your children who are nonverbal or who have a difficult time with, you know, need some concrete experience to be able to get through the situation, will become familiar. You don't want them overly familiar, of course, but it, it, right. so it's not a totally novice experience. Also, let them, you know, touch the fire, you know, trucks and things like that. First responders, I train first responders all over the all over the country, and they are very, very invested in all the children, including those who have some special and unique circumstances. So I train them that when if you know a child or a school it has a child with special needs, turn down the sirens if you can, turn off the lights when you arrive, make sure that you have special types of um, uh, supervision in the classroom, so in case a child should sleep. Oftentimes, a child on the spectrum, as we know, could sleep. That's one of their, you know, compensatory techniques. That that, that happens. People have written about that. Um, but what, what first responders tell me to tell parents, quite frankly, Marianne, is they can't help your child if they don't know they're there. So if your child, Good point. for instance, is nonverbal and noncommunicative, then they need to know that there are some data systems in some states that, you know, they could put that information right into their database. You can go and actually tell your local community uh, leaders and, and first responders, I have a child who does who uses sign language, who does not respond verbally, who is afraid of loud noises. Give them that information as if you are almost giving them a mini IEP of what is with your child's diagnosis because they want to know that. And also, if you're making a 911 call and you can, tell them, my child doesn't hear, my child doesn't respond to verbal commands, my child has allergies like to latex. All of that is 
so important. The first 10 minutes of a disaster is the difference between saving lives and not saving lives in most first responders' mantras. Well, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us. You know, I was, I was just thinking, I know I overheard on the radio today that, um, you know, they were saying whether schools should start implementing um, disaster drills, lockdown drills. And um, they were debating whether this was really a necessity in the world we live in or whether we're just going to be creating a lot more fear or anxiety in children. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, gosh. You know, as a parent, it just turns my stomach. I I need to process that question a little bit more. But I think as an educator and as someone who had an administrative role, um, you know, the, the educational world changed on a dime after Columbine. And then it changed again after 9-11 because we now had to address all different kinds of disasters. And then now I just went to the movies not long ago, and you can see the changes in the theater as a result of the Aurora shootings. And I predict, unfortunately, there is going to be a new town, you know, policy, and and it's going to be called the new town Connecticut policy, just like Columbine, you know, it's the name, it's going to... It's going to be, unfortunately, their legacy, and I feel so, um, you know, so so sorry for those families. But also for the families that are listening, children process things differently than adults. So do not be surprised if your child seems very matter-of-fact, even if they know what's going on, and then two weeks from now starts to have a little bit of erratic behavior, whether it be bedwetting or crying, or because right. it takes some time and ebb and a flow. With, with children, and so do not be surprised. That's, that's kind of how children grieve. They don't grieve on adult timetables. Right. And when the kids, you know, bring up the topic or ask you a question, just have a follow-up question because, you know, they don't live in a bubble. They they may hear from another child, and another child may be very anxious. So, you know, really just making exactly. sure that you, you're sure what your child is trying to tell you and don't assume what they're trying to say. So um, where can parents find your resources to, uh, to help them better communicate with their kids? Sure, absolutely. Well, Marianne, you're part of our network, so you're part of the 411voices.com network. So please, by all means, go on there, and you can find our resources actually underneath the tab of resources. I particularly own the company Signing family.com, like in sign language, signingfamilies.com, and we have a very big resource link there as well. I'm on Facebook as Signing Families, and you can also tweet me as at Louise ASL for American Sign Language. Well, Louise, thank you for joining us. Listeners, there is no better resource um, for oh, you, so, you. and Louise is very accessible, so please take advantage of so, Lisa, you know, maybe we'll come back and uh, discuss this further in a few weeks as this thing unfolds. Uh, I, you know, and I, ho- I hope, you know, that uh, it is the only, it's a unique circumstance. I really, right. really hope I that um, the media is very cautious and that we don't make somebody else feel that they want their 15 minutes of fame. So, exactly. Uh, and to exactly. all the families, um, you know, I, I, I wish you well. Thank you again. You know, as I said in the beginning of the show, this tragedy has shaken us. I mean, many parents feel that anxiety. I was on Facebook, and I could see, especially the the young um, moms and dads that um, are friends of mine on personally on Facebook, and you know, they're shaken and the panic and fear that you know our president today spoke so emotionally about. I mean, it hit us. 
It hit us because the first thing we thought about was our children and what if. So, you know, if you're feeling that you're overwhelmed with anxiety due to this or other tragedies, if you feel you're having a hard time separating from your child or you're maybe transferring your anxiety, please find someone to talk to. I mean, it's a friend, a family member a teacher, psychologist, even somebody if you belong to a church or a temple, you know, somebody to talk to. Um, and, and, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And our kids are the most, our most precious possessions. So something like this is going to affect us. But, you know, try not to speak um, to your children, even to your teens, too much to frighten them if you feel you're having a hard time with it. And, um, you know, for help with assistive technology for your nonverbal kids, you know, our sponsor is Mayor Johnson, and they are the, you know, special education um, super source. And um, it just so happens that they have a gift guide going on right now that's broken down into three categories of shopping. And um, you know, it really helps parents to find the right product or toy for their, for their child. And we did an interview last week, and they have a lot of um, toys and products there that would really help with um, building language and communication skills. So please go over there, mayorjohnson.com. Sunday, at 9 p.m., um, Ask Stephanie with host Stephanie Weiss. And um, very sadly, a very timely interview, uh, when to worry about worry, um, when your child's worry is out of the norm, and um, when you need to seek advice. So that's Sunday at night. Again, our prayers go out to those affected by today's tragedy, and uh, we wish everyone peace and calm. Have a good night.